When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a hopefully much better sounding Mad Scientist Roundtable. We won't be any smarter. I, am, I won't be any smarter. We might sound better, but still full of shit. But we will sound better. That is the most important and thing. And really, it's, it's how you sound. It's not what you say. It's how you sound when you say it. No. If, listen, listen, if, if, <laughs> if modern, if the modern world has taught us anything, it's not whether or not what you're saying is oh, true. Oh, God, no. It's how nicely you say it. And it's, it's very, how much it's emphasis. very true. It's how much it's emphasis very, very you true. can bend facts with. Oh, absolutely. I am one of your hosts, Chris Cogswell. And I'm... And I am joined by... <laughs> oh, we're doing... It sounded, it sounded so much better already, I'm just tripping over myself. And I'm Marie Mayhew. <laughs> nice. So today we have a bunch of different topics. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Stephen King's It, which is an awesome book, an awesome original, like... I mean, a lot of people crap on the 90s version, like that TV show, but it scared the crap out of me as a kid, so I think it's pretty effective. Yeah, Tim Curry. Don't, Tim don't Curry was crap. Like, he awesome was in that. really, really scary in that. He was really scary was, in that. We're going to talk about... So we're going to talk about Stephen King's It. That's going to be a serious one. We, we, have a, we have a pretty crazy question from Chris Dops over at the Eastern Border about the Death Star. We figured that would be a good April Fool's question. And then we also have kind of a, a, a pretty... This story hits close to home for mm, me, Marie. Mm. A psychic cat. Yes. It's not just... It's, 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 it's another Russian story. It's another... It's another it's Russian another story. It's another fine story coming out it's of... It's another Russian story. Coming out of Russia about a, a psychic cat. A psychic cat that is Rough. fetching a very high price in the market. A, ve- a comical high price. Well, I mean... It's, Anyways. It's a psychic cat, man. It's not just psychic. It's, not, it's, it, it's, psychic. it's got some... It's got some power behind it. It's not a normal cat. No. It's a psychic cat. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Let's... Let's get into it. Welcome to the Mad Scientist Roundtable, Episode 5, Mr. Charles Utkins. So, okay, um, Stephen King's It. Not just Stephen King's so, It, but Stephen King's whole location of his whole thing, his of whole Maine, thing. and why some so, small towns and small locations in Maine. So the reason the reason that this is coming up is, and I, I don't think I mean like it is. So when I told Maria this idea, she was like, "Why is he always crapping on, crapping on Maine, guys?" Like, there's what's no, the deal? There's no why he, he is. I, He's always crapping on Maine. <laughs> so, so he he loves Maine. I think he grew. He still lives yes. in Maine now. Um. He better but, fucking like, be putting so some th- back into that economy after like. <laughs> there's- so you know what we live, we live. So we, so where I'm, where I live right now is really close to a restaurant that Ken Burns. Owns. Oh, do you know who Ken Burns is? Fuck yeah, I know who Ken Burns is. Okay, Mr. PBS. So, oh my Mr. god, Mr. Civil so War. His, I yes. find his voice really like he, he puts me to sleep. 
Oh yeah. I cannot watch his documentaries. No. no. They no. They're, they're it's too it's like too much. It's too much Ken Well, Burns. they're also like forty seven hours long, right? Yeah. Well yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're so like, like so but and so one of my fam I'm not gonna say which family member, one of my family members is like a big history buff. And he fucking hates Ken Burns. Hates him. Can't Good right because he's like because he's like that stupid guy thinks he knows so much about the Civil War. And jazz. Like and what, he did Civil War so jazz went, and something else, right? I don't know that much about it. So him. we went, the Great Depression. Oh, yeah. oh there the it is. Depression okay. he did. Nice. So we went, so we went to his restaurant oh. though. And the whole time it was like grumbling, like fucking Ken what does, Burns, son what does of a fucking bitch. Ken Burns restaurant. What's that? What, like, what's that like? It's like, oh is there all these God, old photos so on the wall? Good. Or bullshit like that. The menu is all no, like, no, you can't like, even read it. It's such treckle. You're like, okay. <laughs> No joke, if Ken Burns' restaurant is listening right now, <laughs> I don't think they are, but if anyone working at that restaurant is listening right now, Sorry, I would advertise your show every week for a free turkey burger, or not turkey, it's a lamb, it's a lamb burger with bacon jelly on it. It is fucking amazing. Seriously? Well, here, so does, does, do the waiters so come and good. the waiters come and they're like, my dearest Amelia, <laughs> the welcome to the Civil the War. The specialist day were a special Especially hard on no, our like, kitchen staff. Like they, they, they like keep. So he's. I think he's like a co-owner or something. They try to like keep it low key. Uh, that's not low key. But they do have a page in their menu that's like, guess what? Ken Burns. We're owned by Ken Burns. Have you seen We're Ken owned Burns? By Ken, Burns. Ken Burns is one of the goofiest looking dudes on the face of the fucking planet. He is. He does not look at all like what I thought he's he would. He's rocking like bangs and a goatee. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no one ever looks like you think though. No. If people Google me, I'm sure they're going to be like, Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> what? That voice does not fit that man. But seriously, like Ken Burns, it's like, and, and to, the, to our listeners out there who are sporting that look, let me just do you a favor. If you're fans of Ken Burns, you know what? Cosplay that shit. Otherwise, no. Yeah. No bangs. No bangs. Not working. Grown not men working. should not wear bangs. Okay, so we're, so the, so that's a good piece of advice from the Mad yes. Scientist podcast. Take that with you. So Take that with you. The reason, so like the reason that this this topic came up for me recently uh, was had like a really like a really fucked up thing happen in my hometown, pretty much. Um, so I'm from Staten Island, New York, and so um, I don't really want to get into the details because I think it's a little bit too serious for this show. Um, but it's pretty it's pretty messed up, and. Uh, and the thing that I found so fascinating, though, when it, whenever something like horrible happens in a, in a town or like whenever something horrible happens, generally, they always go to like the people in the neighborhood and they're like, was there any like, w- did you know this he was, was going such a on? Quiet boy. <laughs> exactly. He was such a quiet man. Right. Like when like I'm, I, I saw a documentary on. Um, oh, my God. What's the, the serial killer who wanted to make zombies? Oh, oh, oh. Dude, he was from like Wisconsin. Yeah, no, I had his name until you said it. Jesus, everyone of single, every single person listening is like, what? Yelling their name. I know. Stupid. I know. Katie, Katie, right now is like in her car, like, oh, you come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm all like, Gacy? No, that's not it. No, that's not. I it. know the cannibal. Except he wasn't. We know who you're talking um, about. Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer. There it is. There Jeffrey it. Dahmer. Okay, Dahmer. You're welcome, so America. When afterwards. Afterwards, like he had a neighbor who like whose house he would go over to and she would eat like she'd come over for like dinner and stuff Ooh. sometimes. Ooh. 
And she and like so she was sitting like next to the freezer with all the heads and she had no idea. And like it's ruined her life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, as you can imagine. That would be some right? hard shit to get out of. Okay. Yep. But but the the thing that I think is always so fascinating with these stories is it's like people are always like, well, our town is normally like like our town is normally so savory. It's it's normally so wholesome and, and yeah. pure. And I think the thing with like when when I read it, the first time I read it as a kid, it it like scared oh, the crap God, of me yeah. so bad that I couldn't finish it. Right. But now as an adult, I've reread it a couple times. And the thing that I think is always like really interesting, but not really, I feel like people don't really like pick it out so much is the idea of there being like, like the town itself is mm-hmm. evil. And this isn't to say that like all small towns but are evil are. or anything, <laughs> but, but there's well, like, totally like evil. there is, there is always, there is always an undercurrent of like everyday evil that we just ignore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, so with this one thing, it's, it's, you know, so, so I think I just find it so fascinating. So like when someone finds out that like someone was, I don't know, like someone was brutalizing homeless people or something, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe he'd do that. But then it's like, okay, but we just let them starve to death. <laughs> like, so it's, so it's, so is it the speed? That's the problem. Is it the their viciousness? Their is it which they can do such <laughs> really though? You know what I mean? Like, so I, I find it, I just find this idea of like, I find this idea of everyday evil, like the, you know, this, this notion of, well, it's the way it's always been. Yeah. And you know? Stephen King does love, and, he does as, love the yeah. details of the small town and like either it's dairy, right. right which is it or castle right. rock, which is his other favorite, you know, little town that he's going to pick on or Salem's lot. Right. Vampires. Fucking yeah. kid vampires. Nice. So I did not know that book was about vampires until I read, I just got a short story collection of his and I read Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's Lot, which is, the, yep. which is like the mm-hmm. town next to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just read that and I was like, it's about vampires. Yeah. It's not a genre he has not like seriously delved into. And I like crazy. So my, so my take on, on, um, on Stephen King. Cause I've, I've read like, I've read a lot of his stuff. I've read a lot of it. It was actually when I was watching, um, when he did the actual, uh, what was it called? Storm of the century. So it wasn't a book. It was a TV story. And again, it's like some small Island off the coast of Maine, totally isolated, haunted by supernatural presence. And the first, the first victim that the supernatural evil presence takes out is like a little old lady. Right? So I'm like, he mm-hmm. bludgeons a little old lady to death and then just sits there and waits for the single, the constable cop who also owns the, <laughs> the grocery store or something like that, because of course it's a tiny small town, to come and find him. And I'm just like, you know what, motherfucking Stephen King, I want to see you put down a story like this <laughs> in a real city. Like, in a city that would probably right. not put up with this shit. I don't know, like, I, I think that that was, like one of my big reactions is it's like, I feel like that he, he walks this really fine line of pointing out this banal, the banality of evil, right? Which you just sort of ignore. Yeah. But then also having this really big pastiche around it. Like I think to myself, cause I, I grew up in a relatively small town in a college town in Boulder, Colorado mm-hmm. in, in a similar time frame. And, you know, we would ride our bikes or we would go play in the creek or it was still 
it was still relatively, you know, rural when I was there. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of immediately start tying into your own childhood if you come from this sort of whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, the shit that Stephen King's writing about, it never fucking existed, right? It's like he's ex- he is putting forward this, 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 this I- idealized version of a small town that should be evil as well. And then it's almost like self-feeding because then you're like, well, yeah, because like, I, I was in a small town and this shit did happen. We did ignore it. But it's sort of like I, he goes between, he goes back and forth with me because there are times that I'll be reading it and I'll be like, mother, you know, fuck you, Stephen King. And like, well, fucking, I'll tell you what, put that <laughs> shit in, like, put that shit in a, in a, put that shit in Pittsburgh. Put, put that shit in, in, uh, in New York, in Queens. How, how, would, how would any of this stuff play out in any place else different than some, some very <clears throat> idealized small town? Or, but See, then but that's, he but that's interesting. and then sometimes he scares the living shit out of me he'll hit a true nerve but it's right. like it's sort of this weird balance so see but that's so that's the thing i think is really interesting with with um with so like i grew because i grew up in a city mm-hmm. right like staten island is is yeah. fucking huge compared to you know what i mean and like you know i mean i spent weekends in brooklyn and my uncles and you know, we were always in and out of manhattan like staten island is one of the boroughs of new york city for people that don't know yeah. that um so but so that's the, that's the thing that I find so fascinating is I wonder actually if in a, I think the reason that he, well, I mean, partially the reason why he goes small town is because I think that's what he knows, right? That's where, like, because I, you know, I think there's a really telling part in, um, again, a really telling portion in it where the writer is like, um, Bill Denbro, um, someone asks him, you know, like, why do you, or I think this actually might've been a quote from Stephen King himself, Someone asks, why do you write these horrible things? And he tells them, he tells the person like, why do you think I have a choice of writing these horrible things? Right. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that always meant, well, you know, my child, like my experiences growing up kind of shaped me to make me this kind of writer, you know? And so I, I, so, but with the thing that I always think is interesting with that whole, like, okay, like he could put, I almost think if he put one of his stories in a mm-hmm. big city, mark. it wouldn't have such a, it wouldn't have such oh, an no. impact. Like, oh, no, it couldn't. It couldn't. Like in, yeah, like, you know, because I mean, a kid going missing in New York City is like, well, it happens all the Which time, whatever. still horrible. I mean, whatever, it's horrible. Right? Yeah. Right. Horrible, right? Yeah. But that's the thing, like, like putting it at that grand, like going at that granular small level of like a town with 300 people. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference if one person out of 300 goes missing. Yeah. No, I think, and we, we didn't get a chance to run the stats, but we should have like figured out like, okay, here's all of this fictional small towns and here's all the shit that's happening in it. Like, how does that even, right. I mean, I'm sorry if, if you had a bunch of white kids go missing from a small town, CNN's going to be up there, right? Nowadays, it's a different story. And I think that it's just, it is fascinating to me. I'll tell you the, the book it scared the crap out of me when I was a kid, but then truly was mm-hmm. was terror when I got to be an adult. Is Pet Cemetery? Pet Cemetery is a kid. You read it and you're like, yeah, that's that's scary. Like that's a genuinely scary story. But like uh-huh. being an adult and having a kid, and just if you haven't read Pet Cemetery, it's about uh, a family, a family that moves <laughs> into a house again. 
Maine, down in Maine, and the back of their property or the side of their property is a pet cemetery, and then even beyond the pet cemetery is another cemetery where is uh, Indian burial ground, Merrimack burial ground, and if you go and you bury a body there, it comes back, but it sometimes, sometimes dead, dead is better. Is better. Um, but it doesn't come back the same, <laughs> and it's a story about basically, uh. spoiler alert, so his, his, uh, the main character's son is killed, and it's what what does he do next? And it's like as as a as a uh, a young adult pre kid pre having kids, that's it's very scary. It's just he's he's good with that story. As a parent, it is an ins- that story is horror and it's insidious. It's like it is it is the mm. most loathsome thing. That to be read practically because you as a as a parent you are just like of course there's there's nothing you wouldn't do to to ensure your child's well-being and if you were given this this terrifying option who's going to be strong enough to withstand that there's nobody in the world that could withstand that and that's one of the things that I think Stephen King's mm. uh, was especially effective at is he 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 he, he got that. And there's this anecdote about his wife. When his wife read it, his wife, and he asked his, his her opinion, Tabitha King, I believe her name is, uh, and, he, and she said, put it away. Don't publish it. Put it away and never touch it again. <laughs> because it was such a, like, mm. I think it came as close to something that's terror, that's true, as any of his novels. Mm-hmm. And the other one that I will say is especially scary too is the Boogeyman. I think it's from um, one of his like four, four till midnight or one of the short story ones. It's pretty fucking scary too. I slept with a mm. uh, I slept with a uh, chair on my closet door for <laughs> for like a lot of high school. Oh man, just because of that fucking story. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Fuck you, Stephen See, King. So, like, <laughs> I've I'm trying I'm trying to think like. So the things, the thing, like the books that always, this is kind of dark a, turn. This is, this is now, now we're, now we're talking about, uh, now we're Welcome. a book podcast. Welcome everybody. No. Um, be, th- be thankful. We're not a pop co- a full pop culture <sighs> podcast at this point. Um, the thing, like the thing that I think, like the books that always scared me the worst actually were always the ones that were like set up in such a way that it was like, and maybe this and maybe, is true. Yes. Right. So like, I, yeah. So like I read, I remember I read the demonologists or the demonologist. I think it's just the demonologist, which is about oh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they actually, the, That's the writer, the writer of that book just sued the writers of Annabelle and the conjuring. Yeah, I one didn't and two get any of that sweet, sweet, because he, he claims that, well, yeah, well, he claimed he claims that Lorraine had had given them or that they had given him exclusive see, rights to their stories. Just some ugly shit. But I will say the other um, thing, too, just really quick about like if it was going to be set in New York, like yeah. if you're going to put a horror story in New York, New York becomes the story. Right. It's like it's like um, the Warriors or Escape from New York. It's a dystopic. You know, it's not yeah. about like families or you know it's yeah. about the city itself and so i think yeah. no yeah it, it loses it loses that sense of yes. like this could be set in small town right mm-hmm. it becomes it becomes like a, a purely yes. new york and it's story. about the story yeah totally Which is still I'm, no, good. I'm with you on i mean that. fucking hell man escape from new york is some good shit kurt russell <laughs> right a snake right. i actually i actually read you know 
You know what? Actually, one of the scariest books I've ever read was The Alienist by Caleb Carr. Awesome Carl, story. Awesome story. Which excellent. Oh story. my god. So I I never read. So I guess there's uh, a Angel sequel Death. to it. Not nearly right. As good. Yes, I have I have that one. I have a paperback of it in my in my bookshelf. When I was a kid, I borrowed my cousin's copy of The Alienist for like seven years. It's genius. Because I like I read it's, I read it the first time and I was like I'm not touching it's this book it's too scary so good too I mean he hits on like even if yeah yeah it's not perfect but it's really good and you're like holy shit I had no idea that Theodore Roosevelt was the commissioner of New York City which is true right police commissioner that's first, amazing yeah. and yeah. that they were you know yeah it's yeah. kind of good it's stuff. really cool anyways back to poor Derry poor poor Derry poor Derry which is not a real town either neither poor is Castle Derry. Rock but still. They are, you know, I don't know. I also am just like, shit, man. If you're just like, you're just trying to run a small business, right? What, you got like a florist store or like what? Like a uh, a general sundries, you know, you're just trying to make a living. You didn't want to live there. Maybe you had bigger hopes and dreams. What you're going to end up? No. All this shit's going on. All this shit's going going on. There's vampires. There's something living in your fucking sewer. I mean, come on. You must at some point, if you were Stephen King's, you know, or a Cujo, right? There's a rabid dog running around. Well, you know, Damn. so the other thing that's so, okay, this mm-hmm. is another point. This is another point. We both moved away yes. from where we yes. grew up. Yes. We both moved True. away. That is not all that common in the United States, actually. That is, I, I read a statistic 55% of adults in the United States live within five really? miles of where That's they grew fascinating. up. fascinating. Yeah. And that was one part of it that I thought was also really... So, one, like, my Katie makes fun of me all the time because I'm, like, mm-hmm. a big sociology nerd. I love, I love, like, um... Like, like, I have all these books on, like, urban crisis. <laughs> urban crisis. And, like, and, like, and, like, blight. Like, urban <sighs> blight and stuff. And, like, why do people, like... Blight. Like, why does an area become poor and... Like, you know what I mean? Like, the the racial, the social, the educational reasons, the structural reasons for why an area becomes, like... Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. Detroit, say, right? Um, where there's, like, there's no opportunity, there's no upward mobility... It's full of and it's full of fine no good people, no but there's Stephen just King no giving opportunity. It, giving it to them, right? But so and, and, and they don't even have no. the horror movie people hell, working on their area. So the thing with it that I found really interesting too was the idea you don't of escape. like, like the yeah, you exactly. Like yep. you never escape, right? That that the one the one person who stuck around yeah. was was Mike the librarian. Mike. Everyone else leaves yes. and becomes super successful. And in in a moment, in a phone call, their lives are turned upside down because something back yes. home has gone wrong. But isn't that the right? horror that plagues us all? Yes. If you move away from home too, right? You're going to get a call and the call is going to say you've got to come back. And there's no way you're getting out of it. Right. right? And you never go back for something good. And it's like... You know, as, you know, I love my parents and I, you know, they listen, friends of the pod, but, you know, you know, it's like at some point you will have to, you, if you are, if you leave that area or if you leave home, there will be, there will be the call. And I, I, again, like, I think that that's the shit that Stephen King is really good at is he takes sort of these, 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 um, 
milestones that everybody has, and he's able to attach them to some sort of terror in some ways. You know what? Like adolescence, Mm -hmm. normal adolescence, bullies, whatever, all of that gets charged with within it. You know, the idea of of, of being able to move away or being able to, to leave where you're from is, is attached with terror. Or even the call to come back is mm-hmm. charged with terror. And then being an adult and being back in the place that you were a kid and not, not knowing, is it the same place? Is it a different place? And kind of having that, 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 that realization right. that you come back and you're still a you kid. Know, and, that's such, and that's such a... That's such a weird, that's such a weird, um, feeling too. So what I, what I find really fascinating is like when I was a kid, I've like, I've recently had that same experience of going back to a place where, when, you know, when I was a kid, I, so I, I, when I was a kid, there was a swamp mm. near my house. We used to go play in the swamp, right? Despite the fact that it was like full of like, you know, heroin syringes and shit, I'm sure, right? Like, despite the, the fact, swamp. yeah, like I was, I was playing with fire. You're out there in and your so I remember like, oh, like this, this, nature. yeah, like, well, we used, so we used to ride our bikes through it. And so like, there were these, there were all these big mounds of dirt that you could like jump your bike over. It was awesome. Right. I remember that swamp being ginormous. I remember this being like mm-hmm. a national park, right? It is, it is no joke. Like three city blocks long by like four city blocks wide. Like you could probably throw a football <laughs> over the whole park. Like, like it's, it was not big at all. But I, and I remember go, I remember like in my head, I have all these memories of being like, man, that was so dangerous. I could have gotten lost in there. And then I go and I'm like, shit, like I can see, I can see my house from here. You know what I mean? Like, this was not dangerous. Like, I bet, you know, I bet my dad could have but seen me from the kitchen but window. the thing now is like your dad would probably let you play there now. That's the other thing. Not only is it tiny and no. small. Yeah, I was Because I was thinking I the same thing. I'm like, well, you know, as a kid in Boulder, we'd be riding our bikes around. Like, all summer long, we'd be riding our bikes. We'd be out until dark. Now, fuck it. You're not, you're not going to let your, your nine-year-old go ride a bike. No. That's, Insanity! I never, I no. never see kids outside no, and you playing. Know what, you I know never like? see them. Stephen motherfucking King, right there. Stephen King, bitches. Stephen, Stephen King. King, man. Come nice on, man. Stuff. Nice fucking. Stuff. He has. Listen, listen. If Steve, if Stephen King is listening to this show, not, though, please I'm know not, that man. we're just kidding. I'm we not. love you. That shit's fucked up. That shit's <laughs> no, Marie, up. no. Remain fucked up. I don't care if you're living there, giving up to the tax bracket. Fucked up. Fucked up, dude. I'm teasing. It's some good shit. Like I, like I, seriously, like three years with a door. It's super on good. My, on, yeah, on my uh, on my closet door, man, or a chair <laughs> on my closet door. The boogeyman, read it. Oh God. Oh. Um. Yeah. All right. So. Topic two. Let's go to topic two. All right. So this is. A listener question, and this was from Christops over at the Eastern Border, um, who is a fellow member of the Dark Myths Podcast Collective with us now. And Astonishing Give Legends it up, and uh, Give it up. Flurry Photos, The Baddest Asses, um, all kinds of really awesome shows. And we're actually gonna be um we're actually gonna be probably um hoping to do another one of those with more people soon as well. Um because it was a lot of fun. Anyways, his question was so his show is on like Soviet history. And so his question was, how long would it have taken 
for the Soviet Union using uh, gulag slave labor to build the Death Star. Oh, okay. First of all, I have to give it up to Kristoff for the first Star Wars question. How long have we been doing this? So like, yeah, so cri- yeah, seven, eight years I know, now. I know. And no, no it's <laughs> what? So Kristaps, Kristaps gets in with the very first Star Wars question. Thank you very much, Kristaps. Thank you, sir. Thank you for bringing it back. Thank you. So. The, the Death Star, Star Wars. was a hundred and... For those of you who don't know, what's the Death Star? So the Death Star, is a, it's, it's not a moon. Mm, no, it not is not. a moon. It seemed like a moon. It seemed like a moon, but it's but not it a moon. Not. It's basically a giant, like, inhabitable planet um, made, yes. out of, uh, made out of steel and other, you know, metal, whatever. Um, mm, and so it, mm-hmm, it contains mm-hmm. a super Forged. powerful laser that can basically mm-hmm. annihilate any planet. Well, it has a huge... Okay, first of all, yes. So... <laughs> I'm not even going to go into my diet. Okay. I'm not even going to say school everyone for three hours on the Death Star, but yes. So, full disclosure. So, yeah. Full disclosure. Mm-hmm. I am more of a fantasy nerd than a sci-fi nerd. <sighs> okay. So, full, let me say fantasy. Let's just, let's just full get disclosure. a slate going here for the people that are listening. What's, like, what's... Quote, unquote, I'm air quoting... Because doing this with my hands doesn't make good podcasting. What is what is what is a fantasy? Okay. Fantasy is what? So, uh, like Lord of the Rings. Oh my God! Oh, <laughs> I'm teasing. That is actually more popular in Russia. I've heard Star Wars. Star Wars is really popular, but for some reason, the um, the story and the characters of um, the Lord of the Rings is, is is more identifiable. Interesting. So actually, so I actually, and I actually only recently got into Lord of the Rings as well. Mm. When I was a kid, I was a big Elder Scrolls nerd. I'm still a big Elder Scrolls nerd, and like Magic the Gathering and stuff. I was big into video games and whatever. Anyways, okay. Um, it's a, it's a, so all right. The Death Star. Death Star is 160 kilometers. So these are this is from Wikipedia, by the way. Yeah. Which, is Which I have been told is the most reliable, it is reliable. source. It's true. Okay. It's true. 160 kilometers in diameter. Yes. And people live on like, like all the, st- all the livable area is on the uh-huh. surface, like couple levels. Because uh, and at its max, about 2 million. 2 million inhabitants. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is what it said on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Boom. Okay. That's right. And I'm saying Wookie, I'm saying Wikipedia, not Wikipedia. It's Wikipedia. So. Okay, so it has 357 internal levels in that first, what they call the crust of the Death Star. And the vast majority of the volume of the Death Star is taken up by engines and like reactors and laser power thingies and whatever. Um, And laser powered thingies. (laughs) Well, like, okay. Says the science. I was was surprised to find like a fully. Like a like a a flow diagram, yes. a process diagram yeah. for the inside of the Death Star. I, I, yeah, yeah, like that someone what, made you, using you a real chemical just, like, engineering program. No man, I was like, what the fuck? Like, oh my god, it's so co- complex. All right, and there's many different. Like, it has a lot of different weaponry. It has a lot. It has a it whole has lot. A lot yeah. of weaponry. But go ahead. So okay, we'll the main so weapon the, in a moment. But go ahead. The outer yeah. hull. Is made of quadran- quadranium steel. Yes. Forge. Which. 
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. I don't know what the hell quadranium steel is. I just assumed it'd be made up of like normal steel. Maybe it has like graphite, re- like nano graphite reinforcing it or something. Christopher, Christopher, um, Christopher, Christopher. And so, and so I, I assumed I couldn't get a full, I couldn't get like an exact idea here of how big the core or not the core, like the crust where people live is. Mm-hmm. But if we assume that on average, each level is 20 feet tall. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's like from bottom mm-hmm. to top, it's twenty foot. So that's pretty big, mm-hmm. pretty big hallways. Mm-hmm. That means that the the thickness of the crust where people are living mm-hmm. is two point two kilometers thick. Mm-hmm. So if we then take, if we just assume that that, and this is this is actually like a pretty good assumption for a normal like constructible building. Mm-hmm. which is that of like the total uh, volume of the material, like, like the vast majority of any structure is air. Yes. But r- right. R- like, yes, go ahead. So we assumed, I assumed at least that that 2.2 kilometer thick, um, like ring of hab- of habitable area is approximately equivalent to how much steel would have been needed to build the whole thing. Well, but remember, the center of it is a trench where they would have all the landing. Like it is operating from the yes. band around it is is yeah. is is landing for all of the other battleships. Yeah. So listen, if we're gonna go with like an engineering approximation here, because this is this is a fir- listen, this is a first level analysis. Okay, we're going plus or minus ten percent here on cost. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. No. No. It was so, like it was seriously expensive. Do you know how long it took oh, to build? Oh my god! It so it took twenty years to build. Uh, about twenty five, yes. Twenty five. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So that if we take that is the is the amount of steel they would need approximately. So <sighs> enough for a two point two kilometer thick, like a spherical mm-hmm. shell mm-hmm. of about one hundred and sixty kilometers in diameter. Mm-hmm. That is a vol- a comical volume of six hundred and ninety eight. <laughs> Hundred thousand kilometers cubed of steel. Yes, that is a, a. I mean, like multiple planets worth of steel. Well, okay. So not to uh, not to dog on our comrade Christops, but you have to even examine. So he's saying basically how how many how many Russian, even if with gulag labor, and the point is with the Death Star. Uh, it didn't. It, it, the labor was was droid and alien and clone. Yeah, it was clone. Well, clone, and, right? And it, yeah, it was, and it was droid. I mean, it was like they had droids building it, so they were able to build it faster. Oh no! Than yeah. Well, if, listen. If human labor, gulag labor, was doing it, of course they had so gulag this labor is, doing it. But then also, <laughs> also, just again, just to back up, where did they build it? They built it on a predominantly sandy planet that had a lot of hidden um, planets and asteroids so they were able to build it in the atmosphere 
and have it be hidden. Mm. Russia, again, like, it's sort of an apples to oranges argument because while I can say that, yes, you know, I can compare uh, the people that would want to do this in Russia to the Sith, who were the masterminds behind it, but I can't say that, you know, Habitat is the same or any sort of the, any sort of the environmental sociological beyond so, that is the same. Okay. Yeah, so... I don't mean to put too many let's, flies let's, in the ointment. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Let's, so let's... So actually, I was thinking of a lot of those things, too, when I was talking about this. Because <laughs> originally, I was going to try to figure out how much money it would take to build oh it with, like, Earth dollars. Oh, Jesus, man, you're, like, in, like... What? But, like, in that's, like, insanity. Because, again, again, we're assuming that they have access to pretty much free energy. Yeah. Um, we're assuming that they have access to free energy to um, pretty well-developed robotics yeah. to clones with no rights at all. Like, yeah. they're yeah. pretty much in the perfect situation for this. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like it, they probably could have well, built it in 25 years. They still, I mean, it's still caused a huge, you know, there's still some issues with it. With the oh, with no, people yeah. who built it, Absolutely. but yes. <laughs> so you know what else I think is really fascinating with this? Okay, I want to I want to finish the, fact, the calculation. The fact that I'm actually something... making a legitimate argument for a real world. Death star. <laughs> yeah, besides there's that. something mm-hmm. there's something I want to get back mm-hmm. to after this. Mm-hmm. Okay, All right. so as we said, mm-hmm. using that spherical shell, mm-hmm. it's sixty like like seventy uh, seven hundred thousand kilometers cube it, of steel that you would does need. Does it change that they built it in sort of wedges? And put the wedges up. It wasn't built like an entire. No, no, no. So basically, 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 what we did was we, basically, what we did is we assumed that like, we assumed that like one percent of the total volume was solid steel. Okay, Uh, yeah, yeah. That's basically what we assumed. Um, Which that might be actually like a pretty that might that might be an under approximation considering how much shit was inside of this thing. There's a lot of shit Um, inside of that thing. Anyways, so it came out of warp. Sorry. I don't even know what that means, Marie. It could, it could, it could make the jump to light speed. Oh, okay. So, right. wow, right? That I mean, doesn't, that and they doesn't never fully. Here's the, thing, here's the thing, too, is they never fully, in my opinion, address that. It's the size of a moon. It's not a moon. It's the size of a moon, and that thing could be put into and taken out of. I was going to say it has its own gravity. Yes. Yeah. So. Something yeah. of that size, moving that fast, going, going towards light speed would almost certainly start to pull other it shit towards it much more quickly. Shit up, but they, yeah, they, that would how, not be how, good. How'd they get to Alderaan? How'd they get to uh, Scarif? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be yeah, man. it would be extremely easy to track where that thing was boom. going in space, like way there. before. It's all like, boom, Death Star, bitches. So silly. Okay. <laughs> so in 2005, in Russia, so this is like modern day Russia. There are about a million people involved in mineral extraction industry. That's including like, that's including like people that are like crunching numbers and doing like, you know, like geology extract, like, you know, planning stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, um, about 3% of Russia's total GDP is in iron or steel. Yep. So that would mean that Russia makes about, 0.205 0.205 kilometers cubed of steel per year. Mm. Yeah, they can't even touch it. Using a million people. That means it would take 300 and 340. That, no, 3,400,000 years oh, of <laughs> Russian 1,000,000 slaves, 1,000,000 people in the gulag working 
to just get the steel for the thing, let alone bring it to space. Oh, oh my God. And just think, I mean, like all the sanctions. Russia's got some mad sanctions oh, on it. So many sanctions. Are you kidding me? I mean, not that, yeah. Not that that should, yeah, no. that's probably a minor part of so, your uh, equation there. But yeah, yes. absolutely. So, so here's, so, okay, so, so Chris stops. Chris stops. There would be no way, really, as Marie was saying, to make the analysis between, like, how many people would it take to get it up into the air. This is how many people it would take to mine the steel. <laughs> I kind okay. of am curious as why he's is why he uh, where did this question come from? I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned that he's concerned that that Putin may be putting up a Death Star. I don't know, man. Putin's but, doing some really but the interesting, like shit. you start to think about Russia and Star Wars, and I mean, you immediately do have to think back to the '80s with um, Ronald Reagan and. The, the initiative that he basically was, was called, he called it Star Wars, right? That was, well, this, that so was you know the what? Uh, defensive initiative. You know what I've been thinking of while doing these calculations <laughs> is um, Bigelow. <gasps> oh, yeah, Bigelow. Right? If anybody's going to do it, man, he's going to do it. Mother he's going to do it. Fucking so this was, so as, as everyone... Yes. <laughs> Stephen King, Stephen King doesn't care. Doesn't scare my shit. No, Robert Bigelow not, should. No, I know. I know. I'm not that scared of Stephen King. I'm more afraid of Robert Fuck Bigelow. Yeah, man. This guy. So Robert Bigelow is probably one of the people that's the closest, I would say, to bringing us into space. Actually, yeah, that you've never heard of. Um, Elon Musk. Fuck yeah, Elon Musk never and his Tesla. Of. That's, yeah, that's I, cute. yeah, I would. That's so yeah. cute. You've got a Tesla. I was gonna say what's pretty. Yeah, what's pretty badass is that Bigelow is so like Bigelow is so close to or Bigelow is so I would say I don't know I don't know about advanced I haven't really like looked at a lot of his stuff but he's got a serious research team. Yeah. He's currently got modules on the space station, the International Space <sighs> Station. Like he's already in space. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a matter of him getting to space. He's already in space. And one of the one of the things that we um, one of the so he had a part, a large part in the Skinwalker Ranch story. Oh, dude, you're going to which I mean, there's going to be a wet works team sent to our homes now. Dude, you've got to listen. Yeah. Listen, listen. OK, listen, listen to listen. the Astonishing Legends episode on Skinwalker yeah. Ranch. Yeah. And if me and Marie end up in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> Uh, we didn't America. do it. <laughs> we didn't do it. <laughs> we didn't do it. Um, I don't care what they said. I don't care what they, I never like, robbed that bank. No, never. So that's, that's like the fat. So the fascinating thing with, with this whole yeah. thing is he's also involved in like, um, the hunts for hunt for UFOs and like all this yeah. other stuff. Basically, and, yeah, Robert Bigelow um, is a man who's got a lot of money. He's, he's, um, He's completely interested in space millionaire yeah. with this, with this huge quest for knowledge. And you know, he's not giving 60 minute interviews. He's not putting out, no. he's not putting out, um, you know, consumer friendly, uh, digestible cars. He's not, yeah, he's like legitimately, he's legitimately, an answer. Yeah. he is legitimately amassing knowledge. And that is impressive. To, the, to to a degree that is that it should be frightening, and yeah, like I I think definitely with the Death Star, if there was gonna be a, if there was gonna be a cat that would put out the Death Star, there he is. Yo, Mr. Bigelow, if you need a paranormal research team with a with a PhD in science, uh, hit me up, please. The Mad Scientist Podcast at gmail dot com. And um, yeah, and I like Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, we're good. 
Okay. So in so okay, so the Death Star thing, um the thing the thing that I was thinking about besides just like the connection, whatever, was this idea of it having the um one question that was really interesting that came up during that whole investigation that really wasn't ever like parsed out mm-hmm. too strongly was the idea of building in space. Mm-hmm. Stuff mm-hmm. Ha- like like this Death Star would have to be built in space. Yes. What would As happen to the chemistry in space? As it was. Right? What would happen to the physics? So actually the lab, the lab that I'm in um, used to be the lab space of one of the professors at my university or ex-professors. He's retired. Mm. Um, he, um, his whole thing was building, was crystallizing materials in space. So he actually went up in space with NASA and did like chemistry in space to see if it would change the properties of these materials in some way. Oh shit. It's completely badass. That is badass. Um, so like and so we are we are like asking these questions like are there are there alloys that can and actually actually there's a lab at my university now who one of their big research projects is every time an asteroid or a meteorite or whatever hits the earth uh-huh. they get to analyze pieces of it to find new alloys. Kyber that crystals don't exist on the surface of the earth. Well, seriously, though, like so they're they're looking at it for magnetic properties, but it's pretty fucking amazing. It's amazing. Like, it's really cool. So there is there because there's there's parts of. Um, when a material forms, it forms in there's these things called um, called phase diagrams. Mm-hmm. And so basically what it shows is it shows pressure on one axis, pressure, temperature on the... So pressure in Y, temperature in X, and then you usually have a volume expansion plotted someplace on there too. But basically what it shows is it shows where on the temperature and pressure scale can you make a liquid, a solid, a, a gas, <laughs> and where, if, if it's a metal or it's an alloy, where do you make different crystals? Uh-huh. And this stuff could... And so there... Yeah, so there are some there are some materials that are at such high temperatures and pressures that we've never tested them on Earth. Holy shit. We don't know what'll happen to them, right? Yeah. Or there or there are other cases where um we maybe don't know the full range of temperatures and pressures where something can exist. Right? So actually, I've actually started answering questions on quora.com. <laughs> As like as like a means of like semi um when I that interview I did with Mick West uh-huh. I thought it was actually like I felt afterwards I was like you know I could do a lot for like a lot I could do something more for scientific literacy <laughs> by answering people's science questions online and at the same time I'm like yo check out my podcast friends so one of the questions that I answered was why have we never made solid helium. Gas. Uh-huh. So and you're well, all helium, like, well, helium I'll tell you gas. Why. Well, the thing is, we have made it. We just haven't made it. It just is. It's just like not useful for anything. <laughs> no, like we've made it on Earth too. We made it in like the 40s. But it's really interesting though, because I I had never heard of it before. Oh. Right. Uh huh. But it, it should exist, and there it might exist at other temperatures and pressures. Anyways, we have to get you another hobby so you you're off of quorum. <laughs> <laughs> Quora, Quora. <laughs> I know. Seriously, like I, uh, it's rough. You're on there. Like, I get, I get home. Yeah, where do you think I put my car keys or something like that? You know. Oh my god. Okay, this is actually good for April Fools. I got April Fools. Uh, I got a question on there. Mm-hmm. I, well, I answered a question on there, which was, "What do you think the scientific community would 
do if Santa Claus was real? Fucking first basically. of all, Santa Claus is real, and the scientific okay. community is fine with it. Right? <laughs> the first thing I said was the first thing I said was I was like, the scientific community would, as a whole, start to be really, really good. <laughs> right? We'd start to be really careful. Number two, we'd probably be like, bro. You have evidently you have unlimited energy somehow because you can get around the earth in one night. What's up? All right, guys, this week we wanted to start doing something like plugging other shows that we really like or, you know, just generally talking about really good shows. And so one of the shows that I've really started listening to recently and really enjoyed is Rumor Flies. So Rumor Flies can be found on iTunes and, you know, all over the place. But you can also find them on their website, rumorfliespodcast.com. And you guys should check so it out. From, it's good stuff. Definitely. So from their page, this is what they say about themselves. They say, Rumor Flies comically addresses the origins, evolution, and veracity of your favorite rumors, myths, and misconceptions. Man. So. We should do that. <laughs> we, we, we should do that. That sounds pretty I, good. Listen, like, that's the I same love, thing that I, sounds good. I bet they sound good, too. Oh, they, t- they sound really good. I love this show. I think everybody should listen. And they are also part of the Dark Myths Collective, which we are also a part of. So please, if you support one of those shows, you're supporting us tangentially, and we will love you forever. It is, and it's all karma. It's all karma, man. All right, we're done with that part. <laughs> now on to the kitty! Give me the kitty! Psych okay. kitty, psych kitty. <laughs> Marie, you know, you know what I feel is missing from my life. What? If I, if I, if I introspectively sit back, what? I look at the big picture. I look at where I'm in my life. I say, I say, you know what, Marie Mayhew, you're doing okay. You're all right, but you are. Uh, you look down and you see this, this, this furry orange blob. My cat, Sophie. I love my cat, Chris. I'm not gonna lie, but my cat is not psychic. No. My cat. My cat, sadly, is not psychic, and I would not have this as a pet peeve. I would not have this as an existential crisis had I not found an article in the Siberian Times. Don't ask me why. I have a subscription. It's important to know. Siberian Times about a, a, uh, a cat that is psychic. And I, I got to find the cat's name. The cat has a name. <laughs> so, okay, can I, can I just say... I love my my favorite my favorite title for this story is from the Sun um, in the UK and it says he made me oh. buy fish at five a.m. Psychic cat yeah. sold Psychic for sixty seven thousand pounds to a Russian oh. witch after ruining previous owner's marriage. The cat's he name ruined it. The cat's name is the cat has a full name. His full name. His name is Charles yeah, name. Charles Utkins. Charles Utkins. And he is adorable. He is so His little face. He's oh, so cute. <laughs> There's the yes. picture of the guy holding him and he's like so like that is what yes. my cat. So my cat, I have two I have two cats. I have um Dasha and uh, Glenda T. Seaborg are my two cats. Dasha was Katie's cat to, to name. Seaborg was my cat to name. And so, um, but this cat, it's like, it's like if you, if in your head you thought like, oh, what does a really cute cat look like? That's what this cat looks like. 
And if I gave if I gave it a name that sounds sort of like a a unknown Russian author but wrote the big tomes that are thick, Charles Utkin. Oh yeah, Charles Utkin. Absolutely. Charles Utkin. So Oh my god. So, we had to study him in, in uh in romantics literature, the works of Charles Utkin. So this so this is They made me buy fish. This is, this and is, then we had fish. This is the story, okay? They made me buy mutton. Okay, this is from the Siberian mutton. Times. It says... Fucking the best story ever. <laughs> so, so, hold on, hold on. I can't, I can't. Okay, again, again, existential crisis on my end. My cat doesn't do shit. My cat's not making my... The cat is not even trying. The cat's not even trying to be psychic. Okay, the cat's not even trying to use the fucking litter box most of the time. So... Where, where does a psychic cat with a full name come from? Does it just spring from the head of Zeus? I don't know. This is the so the picture. There's a picture of this man holding this little fat cat in his hands. This dress and it's just this little cute face. Pissed. And then the 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 thing underneath it says the quote. The caption of the image says, "This creature managed to inspire me to thoughts and shame me to do what I do not want to do." Shame. So not only is this cat psychic, this cat can tap into that like Again, primal Stanton. shame this yes this primal shame and i and he's like i i would be woken at 5 a.m and all i wanted all i had to do was i i had this insatiable craving for fish so let's let's okay let's 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 flesh out so this is the story from the siberian times it says the mind-changing mogi begins new life working for a siberian witch after driving previous owner crazy the bizarre so we'll story was the, yeah. So, the, Siberian witch. We'll get there. We'll get. We'll get there. The bizarre story was told by the former owner of cat Charles Utkins, who inherited the pet from his aunt when she died. Dimitri R. soon noticed the strange abilities of his new pet. For example, appearing from behind locked doors at his home in Blagoveshnitsk. He explained the doors to the rooms were closed and the cat shut all way elsewhere suddenly appears in the room from behind closed doors, although nobody let him go. He reads minds, but the worst thing, he inspires thoughts and these thoughts will be fulfilled. They are impossible to resist. He made me go shopping and buy what he needed before I met. Utkins. fucking that gets got rudin on the phone. Okay. Because that shit is a treatment. I'm right sorry. there's a movie I'm fucking sorry. poster. That sounds like my cat. My cat <laughs> makes me go buy shit for it all the time. I buy litter. I buy food. I mean it's okay. It, it continues. It continues. Before I met Utkins, I did not believe in supernatural things. But this creature managed to inspire me to thoughts and shame me to do what I do not want to do. For example, I do not eat fish at all. I don't like it. Or sausages. She would wake me up at 5 a.m. with a strong desire to eat fish or sausage. So much so that I had to go out right then to buy it and give it to the cat. And as soon as the cat started to eat, my hunger disappeared. The animal stared into space, evidently seeing human things humans could not. Life life was intolerable with the animal and led to strains in his marriage, with his wife feeling uneasy around the psychic pet. The clairvoyant, the clairvoyant from Novosibirsk, some 4,500 kilometers away, mysteriously heard about the cat and came to inspect it, said Dimitri. After a short interview, the woman, who is not named but has been labeled a witch by local media, is said wasted no time in paying 5 million rubles or $84,000 oh, for the psychic cat. 
I hear you have cat. <laughs> this cat is straight up adorable. The cat is. Look at their little face. I'm telling you. I'm you vicious. Yes, it's sausage. Look at so, that. And then they so, have a map just to show how far the cat came. <laughs> to how far the lady yeah, came right. to buy this fucking the cat. clairvoyant. I am oh not a witch. God. I the hear thing. you have cat. I hear you have magic cat. I the hear thing. you have magic cat. If you, I if need you guys... this cat to inspire dark thoughts. The thing, the, so Excellent. I actually, so I actually gave, I, I, well, I don't know if, I don't know if my, if the professor still gives this problem, actually, I should ask him next time I see him. Mm-hmm. I used to give a problem to my undergraduate, um, heat transfer students in my, uh, in, in class in chemical engineering. If you had to name a cat something, what would you name it? <laughs> Sorry, <I'm laughs> no, that Charles, wasn't the question. The only answer is Charles, Charles Utkins. Charles, the only correct answer from now on is Charles Utkins. Now that you know Charles Utkins is an option, it's the only, it's the only correct answer. I was um, all like, Mr. Pickles? No. The thing, no. The thing that I love is that Dimitri R., yes. obviously his last name isn't Utkins. No, so it's sort of like, yeah. and, and Yeah, and the, he, gave it his, he gave it a different name. The thing that's also beautiful is... In these photos, the man's face is blacked out. Like, he's totally yeah. redacted. Yeah. He's like totally he redacted. He doesn't want people no. to know. It's a cat. shame. The shame so, that the cat has driven him to. So this problem, this so problem I used good. to give was, um, basically, it was, my cat likes to sit on our heating vent at home. Mm-hmm. And the question was, how much money is my cat wasting me every year in hating her body as opposed to heating the surrounding house? And if you sold it to a a uh, a clairvoyant witch, do you think you could recoup some of Well, that's what I'm saying. My cat is costing investment. my cat is costing me money right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, my cat, you know, and we get into this with uh we get into this a little bit with Forrest Forrest Burgess at uh Starting <laughs> Legends who is a fierce supporter of all animals and their veracity to be able to um to interpret and, uh, you know, alien life. If, you know, you can't be blaming the dog snowball for flaking out or whatever. <laughs> um, and so we, and I was, I finally, I'm like, well, look, I got this cat and this cat's just like, again, this cat is like laying there or will lay on her back and just be like, hello. And oh, it's yeah. like, this cat's not going to, you know, one, I don't, I'm not sensing a lot of psychic activity or two. This no, is not, if, if something shows up, this thing's going to be like, hello, do you have sex Oh, please. If I you die, do? listen, if I die in my house, my cat will yeah. eat me. The cat will eat you? Yeah, probably. I don't know if my cat, I don't think my cat, my cat would still be looking at me like, are you going to feed me? Right, like, what's going cat, on? I don't even no. think my cat has the feral instinct to actually feed off of my dead carcass. No, you know that, um, there's that video going around where it's two cats ringing a bell for a kibble? <laughs> exactly. Or like treats or whatever? Yep, yep. My there cat, my there cat does that, my cat has figured out that that is... Like she, she knows that if she um, bites paper next to our bed at night, she will get fed. <gasps> so I had a cat that would do that. It would chew on plastic, and it would drive me. Oh my crazy. god! And now, so now we there remove like if we yep. remove all paper from the bedroom, mm-hmm. she'll just bite my face. <laughs> this fucking cat controls my life. Forget Charles Utkins. It, he, I think I think that Dimitri, by the way, just as a side point, I think Dimitri may have had a problem because he just said Utkins. You know, the cat, 
if you're going to call the cat Charles Atkins, you should probably ask if it wants to be Mr. Atkins. Can I call it Charles? Does it go by Charlie? <laughs> Doctor, Dr. Dr. Atkins? No, no. Dr. Atkins, Mr. Don't Atkins know. III. I mean, what's his lineage? I mean, Atkins what, if it's, what if it's not, what if it's Ms.? All right, maybe it's Ms. Charles. Oh, Charles is Charlie. Shit. I'm just saying that there's a lot going on with this cat. And it's psychic, and it's driving him to dark places. Destroyed <laughs> dark, his marriage. Driving I him to dark, shit. sausagey thoughts. Dark, dark, sausagey thoughts that he's going out in the middle. Oh, jeez. Oh, I think <sighs> that that's probably one of my best stories. And again, like, my cat, if it sees a spider, it just sort of rolls over on it. It doesn't even, like, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, so, not helping. That Anyways. is my favorite story that has come out of it. And it, it, Siberia, too. It's like this came out of the Siberia times. And you think to yourself, man, you know, Siberia's got some, they've got some, I don't know, I don't know a lot about it, but I, I'm imagining that, is this a big story for Siberia? Is this sort of like a, you know, but then it got picked up in by by the UK as well. So to be fair, it did get picked up, it did get picked up, but then... It's on the weird section of like these not oh. super, not super legitimate um, UK newspapers. What? <laughs> so there's one here that says, I dare you, sir. This one says, um, exclusive world is about to be told aliens exist and are here mm-hmm. on Earth, which like by Charles Hopkins. which like Mr. we fucking we're told that that's going to happen like every other month. So, you know, probably not going to happen. Anyways. I, that's that is uh, I think that's a good April Fool's episode. What do you think? I think that, that is Feeling the only good. thing that would make it better if it's real. I'm holding out hope, man. I'm holding out hope that if you have woken. a psychic cat, if you sir have or if know. you bought a psychic cat, or if you want, if you'd like to buy a cat that's not really incredibly psychic, but you have like a hundred thousand, <laughs> right? Hit us up. Hey, yo, what's up? Hit All us right. up, yo. Thank you so much for listening. I am Chris Cogswell. I'm Marie Mayhew. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Take care. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week, wherever you get your podcasts.